I've always kind of had an interest in food and restaurants. And I was kind of at a point in my career where I was thinking about going back to school, maybe doing an MBA with, you know, business, but like a focus on the art world. But I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to stay in art. So it seemed a little silly to go back and get my MBA in something that I might not necessarily use. And then they let me join the project. So that was pretty perfect timing for me. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part Cater to Your Career series. In part one, we went through hour by hour in a day in Emma's life as an events catering manager. In this episode, we'll take you through Emma's career journey so you know exactly what skills and experience are necessary to land a job like hers. One common theme throughout her career is that she always followed her passion, whether it be in the arts or the restaurant industry. Let's learn how she did it so you can too. Emma attended Skidmore College and studied art history. She was inspired to study the subject because of a study abroad trip to Rome in high school. It was just really incredible to study something, and it was very old-fashioned. Like, we actually had a slide projector, and we were looking at slides. Yeah, so it was very authentic. It was mainly um, Renaissance and Baroque Italian art based in Rome. So we would go and actually see the work in person. So going into college my freshman year, I had an idea that I wanted to major in art history, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I actually didn't take any art history classes my freshman fall. I think I took my first one the spring of my freshman year and just really liked it. Do you remember what your career plans were at that time? Did you have any? Did you say, did you want to be an artist? Did you want to just be an art enthusiast? Do you... Definitely not like a studio artist. I don't have those skills. <laughs> but no, I was thinking about maybe doing something with commercial art galleries, maybe doing something with museums, but I wasn't you know, 100% sure. But one of the reasons I chose Skidmore is because having the liberal arts background, you're able to take a bunch of different classes. So, like, I took oceanography as my math requirement, which was amazing. My, oh, my yeah. gosh. That's great. So, yeah. <laughs> so I liked kind of that flexibility and the ability to explore a bunch of different kind of disciplines in, you know, a great setting. She was very involved in extracurricular activities at school, and participating in those helped her sharpen her skills and add experiences to her resume. One of those experiences was writing for a website called HerCampus.com. So I mainly wrote restaurant reviews, and then I, I know I did like one gallery review. Skinmore has a really amazing teaching museum called The Tang. So I did a review of this contemporary African uh, exhibition that they had the spring of, I think, my sophomore year. And but mainly like restaurant like reviews or food related posts. And I thought it'd be, you know, something that was kind of fun to do and not too serious. And I like that you kind of had the freedom to pitch your own articles. 
Writing and interviewing skills are great skills to add on your resume. If you're looking to kill two birds with one stone, you can sign up at exadiddle.com slash students to join the team and experience a day in the life of jobs and professions you want to pursue post-graduation. A great way to get your foot in the door to your first or next internship, sharpen your writing skills, and practice networking. Had to plug. Okay, back to what Emma was saying about how Emma's undergrad studies helped her in her career today. The amount of papers I wrote in college definitely had an impact and just like the research skills. My junior and senior years of college, I was writing probably five papers a week. So between balancing, you know, being on the writing team, I also had my own personal horse at Skidmore. So managing his care and making sure that I wasn't neglecting him, going to, you know, riding six days a week. I did the polo team my freshman year briefly too. And just kind of learning time management with all the things that I was involved in, I would say that had a much bigger impact on, you know, shaping my career and, you know, managing all the different things I was doing and wanted to be doing at the same time. What was the horse's name? Uh, His name is Ortiz. Ortiz. Is he still with us today? He is, yes. Do you still like ride him and and stuff? I do. I try and go riding every weekend. He lives in Pauling, New York, so it's about an hour and a half north of the city. Tell Ortiz we said hi. I will. (laughs) (laughs) The next thing for you, you were a development intern at Park Avenue Armory. Mm-hmm. What were you doing there? When What is a development intern? Yeah, so that was when I was still kind of trying to figure out what realm of the art world I wanted to work in. So when I was there, the main exhibition that they had on was this Christian Boltanski exhibition. So I was helping in the marketing department. They were collecting surveys on the Christian Boltanski exhibition. And because they were paper surveys, I would literally manually input them into SurveyMonkey. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Some filing work, kind of like canvassed the city and thought about different companies and organizations they could maybe reach out to. They have a president's circle, so I helped plan a carnival for them. Just did some kind of like general admin things as people needed. Emma traveled abroad to Australia and studied at the University of Sydney. She loved the work-life balance culture that Australians emulate. So in Australia, there's, you know, so many people that have fantastic jobs and they haven't gone to college, which is, you know, definitely different. Like in the U.S., it's more kind of going towards that where, you know, you don't necessarily need a master's degree or finish college to be super successful. But what I liked about Sydney is they don't have this mentality where you have to do all these internships in high school to, you know, get this perfect job. And then you have to do all this stuff in college to then get into this perfect master's program. So it's just kind of a different philosophy. And people, you know, in their early 20s often will just like, quit their jobs and travel until they only have money for a plane ticket back to Australia, Um, which is not something you see happening in the U.S. that often. So that was kind of cool to be in that environment. But just in terms of academically, Skidmore is really small. It's 2,300 students in total. University of Sydney is like 70,000 students, and it has multiple campuses. Also, the majority of your classes are recorded, so you can show up to a class where there's supposed to be 200 people, and there will be maybe five because people are working full time, and then they kind of watch their you know classes on, as you know an on-need basis. So I like that I you know got to have this experience of going to a really big university and seeing what it was like, but it definitely made me appreciate all my professors and classes at Skidmore who you know knew my name and knew if I wasn't going to show up and just kind of the smaller, more intimate learning environment. You were working at an art gallery Mm -hmm. as an intern there. Would you suggest everyone get an internship when they're studying abroad over there? Like anywhere, actually? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely really great. My, my internship was only once a week and it was on Fridays when I didn't have class. So I didn't feel overwhelmed with it because I really wanted to be able to enjoy my time there and travel around a lot, which I was able to do um, and spend a lot of time exploring Sydney and just other cities in Australia. So I wouldn't suggest you get, you know, bogged down with, you know, trying to commit to a very intensive internship and try and, you know, do your studies and make sure that, you know, your grades are good and, you know, and try and explore the city that you're in. Because it's a lot and you want to have fun and you want to be able to really, you know, experience what you're doing and not just be so busy that you're kind of missing out on things because you have too many obligations. So, yeah, I think if you can find an internship that matches what you want to do, I wouldn't say get an internship for the sake of getting an internship. All right. So this next thing, it seems like a very uh, juicy story. Tell us about what Strange Fruits is. Oh, um, I haven't thought about it in that like in ages. Um, Strange Fruits was my junior year of college. I was taking this art history class and at the time that we were we were working in conjunction with the Tang, the teaching museum. So one of the awesome things about the Tang at Skidmore is it's very involved in classes. It's really an interdisciplinary teaching museum. So at the time that I was taking this class, they were offered a donation of photographs from the N.J. Jaffe Foundation. So he he was an amazing black and white photographer and he passed away and his daughter was willing to give um, some of his photographs as a donation to the Tang. So as part of this class that I was in, we each got to pick a photograph that we wanted to represent and basically petition why it should be added to the collection. And being an interdisciplinary teaching museum, one of the really critical things was to kind of show it from all angles and how it wouldn't, you know, only apply to the art history department. My partner for the project, we kind of had this one photograph called Strange Fruits, which is a black and white photograph of trees. And then there's sort of different things hanging from the trees. And there's been a dance performance called Strange Fruits. There's a song called Strange Fruit. He was from the South. It like brought up notions of lynching and kind of the civil rights movement. So there was like a lot to kind of discuss about the photograph. And then we petition. Then at the end, we presented to N.J. Jaffe's daughter and to the head of the art history department, and then the main curator for the Tang, and then the assistant curator. And our photograph, I think, was one of five that was chosen. Emma graduated Skidmore in 2013 and took some time off before she jumped right into the job hunt. She had no jobs lined up, but her plan was to compete in horse shows and enjoy her summer. And then honestly, I didn't think about jobs until September when I came back to the city. Do you like that decision that you made taking the summer off? Is that a good yeah? Decision I liked for you? it. I mean, I think depending on like what your career path is, you know, some. But I, I think it's nice to take a break. Like you've just spent four years working really hard, doing all these different things. I also think if you are not a hundred percent sure what to do, maybe getting an internship or just taking, you know, a couple moments to breathe and figure it out, and just you know be really excited about graduating and not have that kind of be tarnished by freaking out about what you're gonna do. So your first gig after graduation was a uh, sales and marketing internship, right, mm-hmm. at the Dillon Gallery. What mm-hmm. was what was that like? How'd you get that job? That job I also got through a family connection. But yeah, it was really great. I learned a lot. It was um, it still is a small gallery that's based in New York. So when it first started, it was really a focus on Japanese Nahanga art, which is using mineral-based pigments and 
precious metals, so like silver and gold leaf. But when I joined, they were, they still had a lot of Nahanga artists that they represented, but they were moving more into contemporary photography and contemporary sculpture. And because it was such a small team, I you know was able to do a bunch of different things. Like when I was an intern, I went to Art Basel and helped them there, which is not an opportunity most interns yeah, are able to get. Not. Yeah. So I would say, you know, sometimes if it, you're looking at internships and there's, you know, the really big kind of brand name company to work for, and then there's a smaller company, it's definitely worth thinking about, you know, how what your opportunities and experiences will be at a really large place versus a small place, because sometimes at the small places, you get to do a lot more just because of the smaller team and you have, you know, closer connections with your coworkers and you get to, you know, see and experience more things. After that internship, she moved on to another sales and marketing internship opportunity at another art gallery, David Zwerner. David Zwerner is a really big gallery, so I wanted to kind of experience what it would be like to be at a larger art institution. So I felt like that would be kind of a really good experience to have that. So I was mainly on sales, assisting um, the different sales representatives. So all of the main partners have assistants. And then I was kind of assisting those assistants. I would help like put together sales packets for clients. So print out high resolution images. I would label them. I was the security guard for one exhibition, which was very nerve wracking. Um, You're very intimidating. (laughs) After that experience, Emma went back to the Dillon Gallery to work as the assistant art director full-time. That job entailed coming up with marketing initiatives and throwing events. It helped that she already knew a lot about the art in the gallery. Okay, so now the fun really begins, right, in your career. You started a restaurant with some family members. I did, with my dad and my brother. The Chuck and Blade. Uh That was in 2015. First of all, tell us about the restaurant as a whole. So it's a contemporary steakhouse with a raw bar concept. It's on 8th Avenue between 19th and 20th. So it's really close to the Joyce Theater for those people familiar with Chelsea. And yeah, so I was at the art gallery. I've always kind of had an interest in food and restaurants. Um, My dad's in the restaurant industry. My brother has worked in the restaurant industry in different capacities. So my dad and my brother were working on this restaurant project. And I was kind of at a point in my career where I was thinking about going back to school, maybe doing an MBA with, you know, business, but like a focus on the art world. But I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to stay in art. So it seemed a little silly to go back and get my MBA in something that I might not necessarily use. And then they let me join the project. So that was pretty perfect timing for me. And it was really a whole family affair because my mom's an interior designer and she designed the restaurant. So we were all very involved in it. And it was literally everything from kind of this is how you negotiate a lease, which my dad had experience doing. This is how you get a liquor license. This is, you know, how you make sure you have an ADA accessible kitchen so you can offer people in a wheelchair a kitchen position. What like silverware are we going to use? What glassware are we going to use? Who are we going to buy our meat from? So it was very all-encompassing. So I kind of felt like we, or at least for me, I felt like I was, you know, hitting the ground running because I had no experience. Like I love going out to eat and do that pretty often, but I've never thought about where am I going to source glasses from. Can you tell us a tip of, you know, something that like when you're opening a restaurant that no one really tells you about that you kind of learned either a good way or the hard way or something like that? Yeah, I mean, definitely inspecting the space to make sure things are up to code because otherwise you're going to have to fix it later. That's really huge. Like making sure you have, you know, like the HVAC system in the kitchen, like all the fans basically they're pulling smoke from the hotline. 
you know, just thinking about like planning stuff out, like you can't have the ice machine, you know, too close to where all the heat is because then it's never going to be right at the right temperature and stuff is going to melt. So there's all these things you really don't think about, making sure everything's ADA accessible, you know, how you're going to, what your concept is going to be. Does everything kind of match the concept? But I would say the lease is probably the most important thing because if you're paying too much money, you're never going to make money. And then matching, you know, what you're selling and your price point, it has to be something where you're going to be able to make money. Otherwise, you know, you're going to struggle for the entire length of the restaurant. And the average lifespan of a restaurant in New York is eight months. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. So this whole experience led to your decision to go back to school at the Institute of Culinary Education, Mm -hmm. right? Can you tell us about how you formed that decision to go back to school and why do you chose that? Yeah. So I think, you know, having to learn kind of everything on the go was definitely a really valuable experience. It was real, you know, real world experience, which I definitely really valued. But at the same time, I kind of felt like if I had a more formal education in restaurant management, that would have really helped or even had more restaurant experience. So that's why I decided to go to ICE for the originally just for the culinary management program. But then I added the culinary arts track too because I really wanted kind of that behind the scenes kitchen knowledge. And I felt like that would just make me a more well-rounded individual working within the restaurant industry. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I kind of felt like the combination of the two would really help me in the long run. Can you speak a little bit more detail about what the two, like the difference in the classes and the style of education between the two programs you were in? So culinary management is sort of, you know, an abbreviated business school for the restaurant industry. So there were people in my class that either wanted to open different types of food concepts. So they wanted to open, you know, one wanted to open like a high-end French restaurant in Brooklyn. One guy already owned a liquor store in Harlem. So he just kind of wanted better advice on how to better operate his business. I was definitely one of the younger people in the class. There were a couple people that were younger than I was at the time. So they had gone, you know, straight out of high school and were, was, were doing this instead of going to a more traditional college experience. So that was about, you know, writing a business plan, you know, health code violations. I had to do, you know, two different food safety certifications. I did one of them I already had um, from opening the restaurant because that was something I had to do. Two different ways to correctly serve liquor, you know, how to open wine correctly, how to talk about different food, how to do menu writing, restaurant design, how to read floor plans. Like it was a, a bunch of things, which was really great. And then the culinary arts was professional cooking. So it was literally everything from how to do like a small diced potato and how to, you know, cook pasta and make pasta and how to make sushi and do a bunch of different things. To graduate from ICE, she needed experience cooking in a professional kitchen, so her next move was an externship with Maialino in New York. She had to bring her own equipment like knives and things like that, but they do supply you with towels, which is a hot commodity in the kitchen. So you go and then they'll normally, you know, give you a recipe to make or something. And then normally you you don't like get put on the line or do anything. When I did my trail at the Dutch, they did put me on the line during brunch, which was rare. And that was really intense. But yeah, so you do that. And then you normally get to observe for the rest of service. And most of the restaurants let you taste a variety of things, which is awesome. Cool. So you leave like pretty full. And then they either offer you a position or they don't. So I think I did five different trails before settling on Mylena. So this was a graduation requirement. Mm -hmm. Was your motive or your goal at this point to work at a restaurant or did you want to just take the experience, get this graduation requirement done and then go off and do your own thing or or 
I never expected to work as a chef professionally. Um, So it was really just, you know, I was actually really dreading it. I was like, you know, I just need to get this done. I wanted, I specifically chose Myelino because they're with the Union Square Hospitality Group, okay. which owns a lot of restaurants. Danny Meyer, the founder, he's the one that started Shake Shack. Now Shake Shack's a publicly traded company. But yeah, so USHG, it's like a really well-known restaurant group. So I knew that they had other positions that weren't cooking positions. So I thought this would be a good way to kind of get in on the ground floor into that company. So I was between that and Dynex, which is Daniel Balut's group for similar reasons, because I knew that they had this larger infrastructure supporting all the restaurants. Gotcha. So... After my externship, they offered me a job full time, which I also wasn't expecting. And I didn't really know what else I wanted to do at the time Mm -hmm. immediately. So I accepted the position. Gotcha. And what was that position? So originally I was on the Salumi station, which was basically what I was doing as an intern anyway. So Maialino means little pig in Italian. So it's a very pork and red meat heavy restaurant. It's also really well known for the pastas. They have fantastic pastas. So I was doing like a lot of charcuterie plates and cheese plates, making really big like meat and cheese sandwiches. Then I was promoted to a cold garmanger. So that was doing like different things for breakfast. So like fruit and granola bowls and Basically the equivalent of a variety of bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches, salads, soups, like some octopus dishes, a bar menu. So they have a fried pig face on the menu. So I made that a couple times. Yeah. So a variety of things. You were only there for five months, yeah. correct? What mm-hmm. made you leave? I just didn't like it enough to stay. I so admire anyone that is cooking professionally. It is so hard just, you know, physically and emotionally. It's like a very, very tough environment to be in. You know, the hours are really long. You're standing for 10 hours a day. You may or not be eating lunch. You're in a hot environment. There's like lots of hazards. You can burn yourself. You can cut yourself, you know, depending on which kitchen, you know, you hear all these horror stories now about like what's been happening in the restaurant industry to, you know, especially female employees. So I feel very lucky that I didn't experience any of that. But it's just like a very brutal environment. So I think if you're going to be an executive chef or your dream is to be an owner operator, you really have to kind of have that passion and drive and love of cooking, which I just didn't have. Next move was Arc Restaurants. Mm -hmm. How did that opportunity come about? So I started looking at roles in bigger restaurant groups because I kind of really needed that infrastructure. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or what department I wanted to be in. So that was another um, referral from a family friend. So I was able to get that position and start kind of as an internship in the events department, which is something that I thought would be interesting but I didn't really know entirely what it entailed. And then it just kind of ended up going really well. And I was given more and more responsibility and brought on full time. Been there slightly over a year now. That wraps up part two in the Cater to Your Career series. Huge thanks to Emma Weinstein for sharing her wisdom throughout this Experience A Day in the Life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in the series to experience a day in the life of an events catering manager. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's xadiddle.com slash students. 
Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.